Our sermon passage for today is from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 through 11. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, our Father and our God, we pray you to take these words which you have spoken, which are your truth, which point us to you, and we pray that you would teach us. We pray that you would mold us. We pray that you would make us like you. We pray that you would cause our minds and our hearts and our wills and our desires and our thoughts to be shaped by this truth in such a way that we would bear so much fruit for your glory. Lord, help your people, I pray. Draw people to yourself, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for worshiping uh, with us this morning. I'll see if like, I can not forget to be done by a certain time or something like that, since, since forgetting seems to be the, the mode of the day. Um, if you have a Bible, please take it and turn to the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 uh, that Regina just read for us. Uh, here at Redeemer, we're working our way through the book of Hebrews, and so today we come to... Um, to this particular passage that I think is, is really timely for me, timely for us, but I think timely for all of us. So our sermon today is entitled The Disciplined Life. So I, I just have one question. Show of hands is acceptable. Who here enjoys discipline? Now you see what I'm dealing with. It was just like that in the first service as well, except one three-year-old raised their hand which opens a whole other host of questions that we'll take up later. Um, we don't enjoy discipline. We don't enjoy being shaped. We don't enjoy being molded. We don't enjoy the, the, the hardness of being moved from where we are to where God wants us to go. That's how we're hardwired in this fallen world. And yet what this passage says is that all discipline is a gift from God that is necessary for our good. What this passage says is that discipline in the sense of spiritually shaping who God desires us to be is a gift from Him that is necessary and it's for our good. 
And we don't like to think of discipline as from God, as necessary, or as for our good. And that's what this passage is calling us to believe. And so I really think that the main emphasis of this passage is to reshape how we think about discipline in our lives. I think the main takeaway is a reorientation of our thoughts, a reorientation of our mindset that causes us to see discipline as a gift and a blessing, even if it's momentarily difficult. So, someone made you come here today and you really don't want to listen to me talk for the next few minutes. Here here, here it is. Discipline in the life of a Christian is a gift from God that is necessary and for our good. That's what this passage tells us. Now, let's, let's think about those things for a few minutes together. So the first point, if you're a note taker, is the goal of discipline. The goal of discipline. I'm here to argue that the main emphasis in this passage is that God disciplines His children. That's the main emphasis. So, look at verse 7. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. So the reality of this passage is is the author of Hebrews is writing to Christians. He's writing to those who are part of the church, who are part of the body of Christ. Those of us who have professed faith in Jesus, we belong to him. God loves us. He's forgiven us. He's accepted us. We're in his family. We're sons. We don't have to earn God's favor. He's given it to us in Christ. And now the passage says that our endurance comes through discipline. And so the word discipline or some form thereof, discipline, disciplined, shows up eight times in these handful of verses. The emphasis of this passage is for us to see that discipline is a gift from God so that we will pursue God in our hardship. The emphasis of the passage is for us to see that discipline is a gift from God so that we'll pursue God in our hardship. So it seems then that that if discipline is the emphasis, then it would be right and fair for us to ask the question, what is this discipline that he's speaking of? As I said, the word discipline shows up there in verse 7. It also shows up seven other times in the passage, and it's the same word every time. And the word discipline here, it covers a range of meanings. A range of meanings from corporal punishment for disobedience all the way to general teaching and training of what mature living looks like. So the word discipline here was used in the Greco-Roman world to speak of a father teaching his son how to be a fruitful man. That's how the word was used. And its meaning bridged the gap from punishment for disobedience all the way into positive teaching and shaping what it looks like to be a fruitful citizen of the Greco-Roman world. And so this word discipline has with it the negative context of taking out the bad, but also the positive context of shaping the good. 
So I asked earlier, how many of you like discipline? And none of you raise your hands because, well, you're human. And we didn't raise our hands because some of us thought, oh, he's talking about discipline. That's like we discipline our kids and nobody likes to get in trouble. And others of you didn't raise your hands because you thought, oh, he's talking about doing CrossFit at 530 in the morning. And nobody likes that either. But it spans the whole gap. It spans the gap from correction to formation. It spans the gap from what we need to stop doing to how we can be more fruitful. But the passage says that discipline is a necessary piece of our lives with God. So if we keep reading, it says in verse 11, For the moment... All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later discipline yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So it seems that what the author of Hebrews is saying is that the bridge between my sinfulness and me living a righteous life is discipline. It seems to say that the bridge between my spiritual immaturity and maturity is the discipline of God. It seems to say that the bridge between me living a life filled with me and what I want to a life filled with God's kingdom and God's purpose and what God wants, the bridge between those is discipline. And so the idea is in this passage that we don't become who God desires us to be without the discipline of God, both positively and negatively. So hear this clearly. The the discipline that's being talked about in this passage is not only discipline for sin. It is that. If a Christian is walking in unrepentant sin, then God will discipline us to turn away from that. But, But the discipline of the Lord doesn't just come to the sinful. It often comes to us to shape us and teach us, not because of our sin, but to help us prepare for what's coming in the future. So if we only think of discipline in the context of sin, then the answer to discipline is always repentance. And if you're in sin and God is disciplining you because of your sin, then the answer is repentance. But God disciplines us in other ways also as he is shaping us to bear much fruit and walk in holiness and walk in righteousness for his kingdom. So I would actually argue that the best way for us to understand the discipline that's being talked about here is in another passage of Scripture. And so I want you to turn, I'm going to ask you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm just going to stand here until I don't hear pages crumpling anymore. Second Timothy chapter 3, and I'm going to start reading in verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. So, so t- Paul, the author of 2 Timothy here, is talking about the Bible. But he says, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And the word training there is the exact same word as discipline in Hebrews. That the man of God may be complete... Equipped for every good work. So what 2 Timothy is saying is that God gave Scripture to to complete and equip 
his people to live out every good work in this world. And how does it do it? Through the bridge of teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. And so when 2 Timothy says teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, I think we can put all four of those under the word discipline in Hebrews chapter 12. Now notice two of those are negative and two of those are positive. Reproof and correction are things to stop doing and things that need to be fixed. Teaching and training in righteousness are are the positive sides of discipline. That's the, we live in this way and we're preparing to live in this way. And what this passage says is that every Christian is is disciplined by God for the purpose, now we can go back to Hebrews 12, for the purpose of our lives bearing the fruit of righteousness. That is, our lives bearing what God would desire them to bear. And, if you look back at verse 10, our lives enjoying God forever in all of His holiness, that we may share in His holiness. The purpose of God's discipline is to move God's people into the place where we walk with and look like and glorify God. That's God's desire for us. So hear this very, very clearly. What this passage is telling us is that everything that happens in our life, the good and the bad, the easy and the hard, the joyful and the 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 suffering, the insight and the the brokenness, it's all God's plan to move us toward Himself and to move us into lives that glorify Him and honor Him. Both the positive and the negative sides of discipline. What this passage is saying is that every child of God here is being, present tense, disciplined by God for the purpose of us being freed from this world and that we would enjoy God more. That is what God is doing in our lives. And so the challenge is for us to see and for us to believe that everything that happens is God's work of moving us to be like Him. It is discipline. God disciplines His children. That is the challenge for us this morning. And because we don't like discipline, either side of it, frankly, we don't like the idea that God is in the business of discipline. Now now hear me clearly. Discipline does not mean condemnation. Discipline does not mean separation from God. Discipline does not even necessarily mean displeasure. It just means that God has a vision that is far greater than where we are now and the work that He's going to do in His providential care of His children is to move us further, to closer to what He has for us. He's not going to leave us where we are. So if you go back to Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What the author of Hebrews is saying is that life is a race and endurance is required. But to endure to the end, God is going to discipline us. He's going to to take away our sin. He's going to take away the weights that encumber us. And He's going to move us closer and closer to His Son. That is what God is going to be found doing. And so I think the major takeaway today for us is to say, discipline is a gift from God. Discipline is a gift from God. Everything in my life, and I'm stressing everything, everything is a part of that discipline. And I know when I say the word discipline, we all immediately go to sin. And then we all immediately go to this wrong, unbiblical thought that hard in my life is always because of my sin. And that's not true. That's not true. Now, I will say this. If you are a follower of Jesus, professing the name of Jesus, and your life is characterized by rebellion against Jesus, he will not allow you to make peace and be comfortable there. He will discipline you out of that sin. But this passage is so much broader than that. It goes all the way to the good. Think of the most joyful thing that happened to you this week. The most joyful thing that God blessed you with this week. The purpose of that blessing is to show you how much this father loves his children. And that's a part of your discipline too. And everything on the gamut in between is a part of how God disciplines those whom he loves. If you're in a Bible study and that Bible study is helping you love Jesus more, then that's part of the discipline. If you're memorizing Scripture and that memorizing Scripture is helping you want to pursue Jesus more, then that's part of the discipline. If you're in an accountability group and your accountability friends are saying, like, you're walking in sin, you need to repent, that's a gift and it's part of discipline. If you, like me, are often broken by the Father over the way I treat my own kids, and then God's like, I don't treat you that way. That's part of His discipline. Everything that God is sovereignly and meticulously doing in this world is for His glory and what this passage says, for the discipline of His children. So think of it this way. God loved me so much. God loved us so much. God loves His church so much that He sent His Son into the world to die, to take away our sin, to give us justification, to bring us into His eternal presence, and to move us closer and closer to Him moment by moment and day by day. And everything that He does, this passage is saying, is a gift of discipline. I'm just crying out to us. Let's see discipline as from God to us that's necessary. You know, I can only speak about me, but I think you're probably like me. For some reason, when I walk in seasons of immense blessing from God, I don't spend a lot of time praising God and loving Him. But I spend a lot of time loving the gifts and loving the peace that comes with the gifts much more than the giver of both. 
I don't know what that is about our fallen human condition, but it just seems to be the case. So if the, if the Lord is walking through a season of immense blessing, I would just say learn to see and worship and celebrate the Father in that season of blessing. That's part of your discipline. But if God's walking you through a season of hardship, I want to be really clear. I'm not saying that your hardship is because of your sin. But if he's walking you through a season of hardship, see that God is walking with you and driving you toward his vision of holiness and righteousness that's better than where you started. This first point, the takeaway, is a a commitment to see God's discipline as a gift. And it leads into the second point. Oh, wait, wait, before I leave. C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, The Problem of Pain. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And I really, 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 really wish that quote wasn't true. Right? But for whatever reason, it is through hardship that God most gets our attention and calls us to himself. But through all of it, let's see our discipline as a gift from God. And that leads to the second point, and that's the love of discipline. I said earlier, I think our our greatest obstacle in this passage is our disdain for all forms of discipline. Secondly, I would say the second greatest obstacle is for us to see that discipline is actually a gift of love. That discipline is actually a gift of love. And that's what the passage says. Just listen. Look at verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? So ladies, in this context, it's good to be a son. Okay, I know we lived in a confused world, but in this context, it's good to be a son. Because the sons were the heirs who received the inheritance. My son... He's going to quote from Proverbs 3. Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. So what Proverbs 3 tells us is God only disciplines the children that He loves. But the author of Hebrews is going to make sure we don't miss the point. So he keeps going. It's for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. So you hear what's going on there? There's two sides of the coin to this passage. God disciplines all his children. And if we're perpetually undisciplined by God, then we must question where we stand before God. The passage says God disciplines his children. So look out. Is God disciplining you? That's a gift. Is God disciplining you? That's good. Is God disciplining you? That's him saying, I love you, my son. I want you to be with me forever. Discipline is a gift that God gives to his children. Now, I'm going to make a medical analogy, and we had a, a doctor sit on the front row of the first service, and my medical analogy passed the test, but if I fail, you guys can let me know, okay? So I'm going to address you ladies about pregnancy. I know that's a dangerous thing, but I'm going to address you about pregnancy, okay? Think about pregnancy. I, I understand that a pregnant woman is filled with fatigue. Is that, is that, is that good? Fatigue? We good? Okay. 
Nausea. We good? Nausea? And morning sickness. That good? Okay. Now, all in favor of extreme fatigue? All in favor of extreme nausea? All in favor of daily morning sickness? Anybody? But do you know what all three of those things shout to a pregnant woman? They shout, the baby is growing. They shout, the baby's stealing your nutrients. They shout, it's going the way it's supposed to. So I, as an uninformed, unempathetic man, would say, every time you vomit, celebrate. (laughs) Or at least see what it means. See what it's saying. And what this passage is saying is that the discipline of God is not a sign that he's against us. It's not a sign that he wants ill for us. It's not a sign that he wants to destroy us. It's not a sign that he's gritting his teeth and making himself love us. It's not a sign that he wants us out of his family. It is a sign that he loves us. It's a sign that he loves us. So if you're, if you're stuck in a pattern of sin and God abruptly enters in to shake you out of that pattern of sin, what Hebrews 12 says is that's a gift because it says God loves you so much, he's not going to leave you in your sin. If you're missing out on a joy of being a child of God and he subtly enters in to move you toward that joy, it's not because he's against you, it's because he loves you and he knows he has something better for you. What this passage says is that discipline is a gift Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's hard. Yes, there's an easier way, but it is the way, like all fathers, that God disciplines His children. So verse 10 says, For they disciplined us, earthly fathers disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in His holiness. God if he's disciplining his children, is acting in love. He's acting in love. And I believe that if we want to navigate this world by faith, with endurance, to glorify God, we will learn to see his discipline not as a bad thing, but more than a good thing, an act of love. I'm so committed to my children that I discipline them. I'm so committed to my children that I don't leave them where I found them, but I move them closer and closer to me, letting their lives find the joy of righteousness and the joy of holiness and the joy of fellowship with me. I'm going to move my people. My discipline is a sign of my love. So what this passage says is there is not a single true child of God who is not currently under his discipline. Really clear. Not under condemnation, not under hatred, not under separation, but in love, in grace, in mercy, in reconciliation, as children under his discipline. God disciplines those whom he loves. And the challenge and the calling for us is to see it as a gift, which shouts this question. How do I do that? How do I do that? You've told me that we're hardwired to see discipline as a negative thing, because we are. You told me that none of us inherently enjoy discipline, because we don't. How do we do that? We go back to the beginning of the passage. Verse 3 says, we do it by looking to Jesus. 
Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Now this is really important, because what this says is that Jesus endured hostility and hardship, but Jesus never sinned. So that really shapes what we were talking about earlier. Jesus endured hostility and hardship, but Jesus never sinned. So the sin that he was fighting against wasn't his, it was other people's. And he endured it all the way to the point of giving his life on a cross as a sacrifice so that the people who were killing him could be brought into his family. And so what this passage says is that when we don't know what to do with our discipline, we look to Jesus. He endured all the way to the end so that we could see where He's taken us. He endured all the way to the end so that He would be restored to unbroken, eternal fellowship with His Father and the Spirit. And He did so because He wants us to enjoy it as well. We endure by looking to Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our Redeemer. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the one who endured. Jesus is the one who we look to in our struggle. He's the one who guides us this, through this life of hardship and helps us navigate the life where the Lord is leaving us and yet disciplining us for something greater. We look to Jesus. So Christian child of God, today... I'm asking you to commit to see that the, the discipline in your life is a gift from God because you are His child. And I'm asking you to look to Jesus because in Christ we have become children of God. He's how we enter the family. Look to Jesus because in Christ we're carried day by day. He's how we stay in the family. And look to Jesus because He is the one who has purchased our place in the family forever. We are always and forever the children of Jesus. But He will help us. He will guide us. And He will give us hope. Look to Him. Look to Him. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you might be quite perplexed right now. Wait, wait, wait. wait. So you're saying that if I become a Christian... I belong to God, but then He's going to discipline me. Well, that doesn't sound good. You know, I'm not the best parent in the world. I may actually be a bad one. But one thing I've learned over the years is that even though kids hate with their mouths discipline, if they've never said, like, thank you for that discipline, could I have some more? Kids do really, really poorly when there is no structure and there is no expectation and there is no purpose in their life. They're kind of just left to do whatever they want. They flounder. They flounder. So even though kids on the surface hate discipline, they yearn for the structure and the expectation and the shaping of discipline. I think every one of us is made that way. And I think the most wretched and unjoyful way to live, because I did it for 18 years, is to go seeking what I want, when I want, how I want it, whenever I want it. And yeah, 
the Lord, when He saves us, begins to move us out of who we are and into something better. But I promise you, it's a gift. It's a gift because it moves us closer and closer to Him and it's preparing us to enjoy Him forever. I have two interpretive questions, not interpretive, application type questions I want you to take away from this sermon today. Not if, but where. Number one, where is God disciplining me right now? And I would encourage you to look for the, yeah, look for the reproof and correction part of discipline, but look for the teaching and training part of discipline too. Where's God disciplining me now? And question number two, where can I learn more communion with God? We might call that prayer, talking to God, spending time with our Father. Where can I learn more communion with God as He is disciplining me through this life? Because I just believe that more communion with God is part of what He is working out in us. So now our Father in heaven. I pray that you would take whatever's been said today that's good and right and helpful and glorifying to you and cause your people to remember it and hear it. pray that you would restore in us all the joy of belonging to you and fill us with your goodness. Help us, Father. Teach us. Guide us. Show us. Open our eyes. Help us to see you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, as we do each week, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. This is a meal and a celebration which Jesus gave us. The bread symbolizes the body of Jesus broken for us. The cup symbolizes the blood of Jesus poured out for us. Here at Redeemer, we invite anyone who's a Christian, anyone who's professed faith in Jesus for salvation and made that known to the church, we invite you to take this bread and this cup with us. And what we're saying this morning is by the body and the blood of Jesus, I'm a part of the family of God. And I celebrate his commitment to his children. So we're going to sing. These guys are going to pass out the bread and the cup. I'll come back in a few minutes and we'll take them together.